Uh, hey everybody, welcome to the podcast, The Cross Guardian. I am here with <laughs> <laughs> The Cross Guard. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> you should do Nerves it. Nerves got to you, huh? Hello everyone, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> I am Thomas Mooney. Hi, I'm Matthew Cruz. And you're listening to The Cross Guard. <laughs> Next time, you'll get it. Yeah, next time, <laughs> next time. So, as usual, we're going to dive right into trivia. Right into it. So this week, Matthew's bringing the questions, and I'm going to be answering them. I have two lifelines. I get a multiple choice or a call. But it's more fun if I don't use them. Yeah. So, without further ado, Matthew. So, the first two are kind of kind of difficult, but the last one is easy. Okay. Um. Well, easy relatively. I think a lot of people talk Relative. about. I think. I think, at least in my life, a lot of people have mentioned this, but I think the question is good for what we're talking about today. So the first question. Okay. And this is interesting. So we all know the first pope, Peter, obviously. Ha, yes, that's who it is. We all know the first church, Catholicism. Easy. Easy. Who was the first official canonized saint? Ooh, this is a good one. I believe I know the answer. And we will find out as soon as I give the answer, and you will tell me. But I believe the first canonized saint was Saint Stephen. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> really? <laughs> so I didn't know this either, and I have no idea who this saint is. But apparently, according to the Pew Research Center, in 1993, the first official can like official centralized process of canonizing a saint by Pope John the Fifteenth canonized Saint Ulrich of Augsburg. Huh. As the first canonized saint. And I had I have no Ulrich idea who that is. Ulrich of Augsburg. Ulrich of Augsburg by Pope John the 15th Whoa. in 1993 because that was the first like formally centralized gotcha, process gotcha. Yeah. of being canonized. He was I think Saint Stephen was the first martyr. I know that. Yes. But well, like the way it was taught in Catholic school was he was the first to become a saint. Oh, okay. But not like Post Jesus, because obviously you have Saint John the Baptist. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, the first can yeah, okay, Saint Ulrich of Augsburg. Augsburg. I've never is heard the about first this guy. Officially canonized saint in the Catholic Church. Yeah, I guess it'd be good to like have a little background about about him, um, <laughs> because I have no, I've I've never heard of this guy before. Like you'd think that the first person who'd be canonized would be a little bit more, not recognize like not famous but a little bit more yeah. recognizable you know what i mean yeah according to wikipedia thanks wikipedia he was the bishop of augsburg in germany uh he was born in 1890 and died in 973 he was, not 1890 890 <laughs> he was born in zurich switzerland isn't that interesting and then he became the the bishop in germany see this is interesting he was sickly he was okay blah 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 as a boy, he was educated at the monastic school of St. Gall. How could he be at a school as a saint <laughs> if he's the first canonized... Whatever. <laughs> maybe it was just like a... Maybe I'm, Maybe they had like unofficial like canonizations. Yeah. Probably. So here, here is a little trivia from your trivia that I just looked up on Catholic News Agency. What is he the patron of? Oh... I mean, I'm looking at the CNA article. This is very article. interesting. I'm looking at the CNA article right now. <laughs> no one... Don't scroll to the end. I want to hear what you okay. think. Okay. I think he's the patron saint... You're not going to get it. ...of... <laughs> Thanks for the confidence, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he's the patron saint of... Uh, women in labor. Interesting that you got that. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry I misplaced my confidence. <laughs> I skimmed the last paragraph. <laughs> so yeah, he's he's the patron saint of pregnant women and easy births. Apparently, uh, whenever a pregnant woman would drink from his chalice, they would have an easy delivery. A not I'm not gonna say painless, but 
much less painful delivery. And apparently also his pectoral cross was used to heal people who had been bitten by rabid dogs. Exactly what I would expect from the first saint. <laughs> of, oh, man. I love this guy. I'm going to ask for his intercession. That's it's so interesting. Next question. Here we go. Since we are in the midst of a plague ourselves. Yes. I figured it'd be nice to go back to the olden days. <clears throat> the oh, days boy. of the Black Death. Uh, do you know who was currently sitting in the throne of Peter during the Black Death? You know, I did know. I did at one point. For a hint, is it, I'm, I'm just being generous. Oh, thank you. For a hint, he was the fourth Avignon Pope. Oh. <laughs> oh. If that makes it any clearer. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so for those who don't know, and correct me if I'm wrong, the Avignon Pope papacy, papacy yeah. was when they moved the literal papacy from Rome to Avignon, France. Yeah. And then there was like two popes at the And then that, yeah. there was confusion about who was actually the pope. And there was when there was two and at one point three popes. Yeah. Anyway. And then St. Catherine of Siena said, get your act together. Okay. <laughs> she came and whipped him into shape. Yeah. That's why uh, she's a doctor. But anyway. <laughs> to answer the question. <laughs> I have no clue. I'm going to say Pope John the 13th. <laughs> Close. Really? It was Pope Clement VI. (laughs) (laughs) I have no clue. So he was Pope. So the Black Death, or the Black Plague, as we currently, as we usually call it, was from 13, or at least the first, the first wave was from 1348 to 1350. Pope Clement was Pope from 1342 to 1352. So he had it right smack dab in the middle. Mm-hmm. of his papacy and he lived through it which is interesting well it's not i mean it's not interesting but you know it's a cool fact yeah interesting he didn't get the black death question number three the easy one well we can we pray we can pray we'll find out who or whom's 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 who multiple who who's who's are the patron who who is the patron you can name one of the three of comedians. Oh, I know one of them is St. Lawrence. Yeah, that's right. Okay, good job. <laughs> Thank you. you. Got it. See, that was the easy one. <laughs> but what I didn't know until looking up this question is that there are two others. And who are they? There's St. Genesius. The name rings a bell. So apparently he was an actor in the third century in Rome. And during one of his plays, he was performing in front of Diocletian, who was an emperor known for hating Christians. Mm-hmm. And he was portraying a catechumen who was about to be baptized in the play. Yeah. Which, like, was satirizing the sacrament. But during the performance, or the mock ceremony, yes, he is said to suddenly have converted to Christianity. That's wild. He apparently declared it to the emperor... And with rage, quote, from CatholicSaintMedals.com, Diocletian turned him over to the Plautian, Plautian, and they tortured him, trying to force his sacrifice to the pagan gods. Genesius clung to his Christian faith, and when he realized they would not be able to change his mind, he was beheaded. So he's also the patron saint of actors, but he's listed as a patron saint of comedians as well. Hmm. You know, just like all the stage people. Yeah. (laughs) Um... What were you going to say? Nothing. Okay. Um, And the third one is St. Vitus? Vitus? Never heard of him. He is one of the 14 holy help helpers. (laughs) He's one of the 14 holy helpers of the Roman Catholic faith, a group of saints whose intercessions are thought to be especially powerful against the ravages of diseases. Huh. He was also around during Diocletian. And he apparently casted a demon out of his son. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. And then he was tormented with a vat of boiling lead. Nice. And thrown into the den of a lion who affectionately licked him. Sure. He was converted by his Christian caretakers and soon began performing miraculous cures. Nice. And the story for St. Lawrence, for those who don't know it. Oh, yeah. He was a deacon of the church, early church. And I don't know who, but someone didn't like him very much and had him put to death 
on a grill. He's often known for being grilled to death. Mm-hmm. Except why he is the patron of comedians and people who grill, grill masters, uh, is because at one point he said, turn me over, I'm done on this side. I mean, if that's not the most savage, sassy, yeah. witty, like... He's just like... That is the Holy Spirit. God has a sense of humor. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> No, I brought up that question because I feel like for some reason, I don't know why, you brought up the virtue of just like, not like, I don't want to say holy laughter, but like, just like looking at life through the lens of Of being fully alive and like jovial. Yeah, jovial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Joy. There it is. So we brought that up. We've brought that up in conversation and... I feel like it's been coming up a lot just, like, around. Not necessarily, like, that virtue itself, but... The idea of being filled with joy yeah. and laughter. And and we've brought up, like, comedians on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about how just, like, being jovial and looking at life through that light is a good thing. But um, recently for me that's just kind of like been pouring in a lot for some reason yeah and i don't know why because like I'm not saying that like god can't do whatever he wants yeah. in my prayer life but i feel like for myself i look at life pretty jovially any like just normally maybe i could do better at it but like i don't want to sound prideful and I'm going to replay this moment in my brain forever and be like, oh, Matthew, you sound so prideful. And no, I think you're fine. But, like... It's okay to recognize where you are virtuous, Matthew. Like, I think I think I look at life and I, I find myself joking at a lot of things that shouldn't be joked about. Yeah. Like, sometimes I laugh at myself at funerals because in my head there's, like, a joke that, <laughs> that's going on. Or... <laughs> yeah. But, like, understanding the joy... Of all situations, and it's, like, hard, but I feel like I do that a lot. But for mm-hmm. some reason, it's been coming up a lot. And I just wanted to talk about... Well, maybe maybe it's the Lord wanting to remind you that this is a virtue that you have. Yeah. And to share it with people through a podcast. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but, I mean, also, I mean, we've been watching a lot of comedy recently. Yeah. Stand-up comedy. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, the, this the concept, and we talked about it with the the podcast on... And I already forgot it. Uh, eudaimonia? Eudaimonia. Is that it? We should pull it up and just have it <laughs> at the ready. <laughs> That's not it. It's not eudaimonia. Oh, silly Thomas and Matthew. Hi, this is post-production Thomas. They're referencing the virtue of eutrapalia. So it's, you know, we, we've had the conversation about that virtue. But, you know, what does it look like to actually live out that virtue? I think... Laughter and humor is something that almost has to be taught to you. It's something that, at least personally for me, I found that depending on who I'm hanging out with or depending on how I've changed, my humor changes with it. I don't know I don't know that it's something that's taught as much as something that's fostered, if that makes sense. Something that is grown or allowed to grow because think about it you know, babies babies will laugh at the dumbest things like one yeah. one time i like said no you are to my niece and she thought it was the funniest <laughs> thing ever i don't know why the idea that a baby can find almost anything hilarious yeah, yeah, yeah. leads me to in, yeah. like understand that maybe it's not something that we have to learn but something that we have but unless it's fostered you're not gonna know yeah and again, there are people who grow up their whole childhood being neglected, and so they don't really have much of a sense of humor. Um, or maybe humor isn't something that their household like does a lot. I don't know how you like <laughs> like a more serious household. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they don't. It's hard for them to. Yeah, make which light I don't know because of... I'm Irish and we we do a lot of sarcasm, yeah. a lot of <laughs> poking fun and and laughter. Yeah, but. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that it's something that that is so much taught as much as fostered. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I see where you're coming at, and I guess I guess it's what I meant because what I was thinking was like, as you grow, you the rest of your life and like manners are taught to you by your parents. Yes. How you 
show respect to other people is taught to you by your parents. How you are meant to interact with others is taught to you by your parents. If your parents don't want you to be sarcastic with other people, they will discipline you however they see fit. If you say something wrong, again, they will discipline you. But if you if you do something right, then that's how they're going to keep you on track. And so, Kind of like love. You know, we all have that innate ability to love, but oftentimes you'll find people who have been neglected, and this isn't true across the line, but a lot of times people who have been neglected growing up don't really know how to show love because they haven't been shown love. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that you can teach them, but something that they experience. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I guess like, I guess in like today's world, well, and I don't mean to be like, oh, relativist, whatever. Like, that's not what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm always trying to say. <laughs> it's kind of seen that somebody's sense of humor comes from or can be rooted in their trauma, in their neglect, in a way. Hmm. I don't want to steal your quote and pin it against you. Go ahead. Because <laughs> I know earlier you mentioned like Robin Williams. Yeah. Talking about how like his humor comes from his trauma and, and the reason he laughs is because he doesn't want other people to like go through what he had to go through which yeah, make the, other people the quote, laugh. I don't remember if this is exactly it, but it was something along the lines of he he remarked how comedians know what it's like to hurt and so that's why they make people laugh because they don't want other people going through what they've been they've went through. Something yeah, like that. Yeah. Very sad. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, it's it is very sad. But I don't know that all comedy again that's, no, that's that's more yeah. of that negative comedy and you you had this statement of you know it's at least it's commonly held that our humor comes from our wounds our trauma yeah again maybe it could be an, a sign of a conquering of humor and i think or not humor of trauma yeah uh, and, and i think that is the more virtuous path versus laughing in spite of trauma laughing at the conquering of trauma of, yeah. of, or the conquering of something that has harmed you, recognizing it has no, sh- no power over you, not ignoring that it happened to you. Yeah. I think one of like, I don't know if, I mean, I don't think it's referenced in the, in the Bible, but like, I think one of like the main, the main ways that somebody shows that something doesn't have power over them is that like the idea of laughing in its face. I think that's what we're both trying to get at. It's like, yeah, but my point is I don't, Again, back to my original point, that is a form of humor, maybe. But I, I think, again, the more, the more pure humor is not at anyone's expense, not even your own. No, yeah. Um, so, like, what is that? What is that? This is kind of a vague question, but, like, what does that look like to you? I don't remember when, why, or how I discovered where laughter came from. But mm-hmm. it, kind of, it kind of goes in line with this idea of trauma, this idea of, of fear. Uh, but somehow I learned, and you can fact check me on this, anyone who's listening. I learned that laughter is a survival response. Uh-huh. And it's a response to fear. When, when, when your body prepares for fear, when it prepares for that flight or f- fight or flight, and then realizes there is no threat. And so it releases that built-up tension hmm. through laughter. And so... You can kind of see that when um, you, you look at comedy, when you look at anything like that. Your body's preparing for something. It's preparing for a certain path, and then it's not what you expected. Not, less, less of a threat now, more of kind of expectations being changed mm-hmm. or being whatever it's called, the completely going against your expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, recognition that there is no threat. Uh-huh being fully alive and this sounds very Jesus-y, but like realizing that you have nothing to worry about. What I guess, what I mean by humor being taught, I guess I mean the mindset of laughing at certain situations can be learned from watching comedians, from watching others go through their specific situations and laughing at them. And I think that watching comedians, as we often do, is a really good way to get yourself back in a mind, like just kind of relax, bring yourself back to a mindset of laughing at certain things that you might not have to take so seriously. When they just kind of sprawl out their, their life stories and who knows if some of them are made up or not. Sometimes I'm like, there's no way that this guy can go through that many 
hilarious situations, you know? <laughs> I think watching how comedians make light of their own life can help us make light of ours, is what I'm trying to say. And some of them can get very foolish and maybe not have to go, we might not have to go to that, you know, a certain extent. And sometimes they make jokes at things that are not, like, <laughs> just not very virtuous. And so maybe steer clear of those comedians. But, like, understanding how they laugh at life can help us to laugh at ours. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean you're right. Uh, with the idea that we can learn how to not take ourselves so seriously by, by seeing others yeah. do it. Yeah, that's the, I guess, how we can learn and grow in Utrapalia. Yeah. One of the ways is by experiencing others who have Utrapalia and are able to not take themselves so seriously. And, you know, some of, some of my favorite people to hang around are those kinds of people. People who are just goofy, and yet I can also have a conversation with them about the philosophy of virtue and morality. Mm -hmm. You know, it's crazy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of describe a situation that I, I kind of remember as Utrapalian. And I don't know if that's a word, but I've made it a word. But anyway... When I was in high school, I had a, f a close friend of mine, Spencer. Hey, Spencer. Um, and we were very close friends and could make each other laugh very easily. Very humorous, very joyful. Uh, to the point where we would, like, <laughs> there, there were situations where we'd be sitting at, the, at lunch, our lunch table, and we would be laughing at things and people would be around us would be like, what are you laughing? Like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to partake in this laughter because it looks like fun, but I don't even know what you two are laughing at. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's that kind of experience, that, that joy that Spencer and I could bring out of each other mm -hmm. where it's such, it's so lighthearted. And again, this is the same person that I can also have very deep discussions with. Yeah. And oftentimes those discussions would be about ridiculous things. And I think that kind of, I don't know, I think that kind of exists within Utrapalia, yeah. is, is that ability to entertain the ridiculous, but realizing its significance, if that makes sense. In The Little Prince, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add a little more substance to this. The Little Prince, love that book. But one of the things he talks about is that adults don't focus on the important things. And the things he describes are as important are numbers, stats, like numerical facts, mm -hmm. and things that you can measure and, and quantify. Whereas the important things are kind of the ridiculous things. They're like, what are your favorite color? They're, what, is your, what sound reminds you of home? Mm-hmm. What smell makes you th relax? These aren't the examples they give in the book, but these are kind of like along the same line. These tell you about someone. Yeah. And they're ridiculous. You know, there's no, like, why does it matter what color? Like, how is that going to help me? You know, how is that, I mean, how is that going to help the world? What color you like? But what that does is it helps you know the other person. And it also, like... It's, again, that recognition that it doesn't really matter what your favorite color is. There's no utility to it. But at the same time, it does matter what your color is. Yeah. For the purpose of, like, our relationship and our joy, like, now when, when you tell me your color, we've grown closer together. Mm. And now I know something about you. And I know something about how you view the world. And, you know, that's – I can use that to put a smile on your face. Yeah. And so I think Utrapelia, mm -hmm. again, uh, <laughs> I think part of it is looking at the world through a lens of almost ridiculousness. Yeah. It definitely lends itself to childlikeness. Yeah. Like you talked about earlier about your little niece and how she just like, you said, what, what did you say? No, you are. No, you are. And she laughed her head off, I'm guessing. Yes. And then oh. she said it back to me. And she said it back to you, and she probably thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Absolutely. It's, like, like just that. <laughs> just makes me laugh. <laughs> like, no, you are. <laughs> no, you are. Like, that, 
I don't even know how to explain it anymore. Well, it, again, it's, like, it's that it's that it's almost abbreviate eutropalia because I fe- keep forgetting which Greek word it is <laughs> to the virtue of ridiculousness. Yeah, it's the virtue again. It's ridiculousness with a purpose, and that doesn't make sense to us. Yeah, but neither does this idea of eutropalia, of we are simultaneously not important and yet very important. Yeah. Yeah. I'll it's wait. ridiculous, yet it matters. You know, and it, <laughs> the eutropalia increases when I tell you what my niece was, was saying that about. She's like, you are a grass. And I was like, no, you are. And she's like, ha ha, no, you, like, it, you are a grass? That's ridiculous. But it, yet, it's like, it, it takes, I feel like, here we go. It takes, the way that I look at it, it takes a lot of humility to have this virtue. Absolutely. Here we go. <laughs> it takes a lot of humility to have this virtue. And, like, I know earlier I was like, oh, well, I have this virtue. But, like, I, that's not... I, yeah. It takes a lot of humility to look at yourself and the things around you and laugh. Absolutely. It takes a lot of humility to be like, <laughs> no, you are. Yeah. Like, and not be so adult, not be so prideful exactly. about about things. I'm picturing a, a certain human in my head who you know. <laughs> oh, well, maybe. They, no, there are definitely now multiple people. Multiple, I mean, I've been picturing multiple, but mm. there was one who brought this to mind um, who was with us our first year at Wild Sky. And she was a full-time missionary. But she was one of the most light-hearted, jovial, childlike people I've ever met. And she constantly made me laugh. What was your name? I'll bleep it out. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Whenever I picture somebody who just doesn't care. Like, she does. But, like, in worship, in life. Yes. In everything that she did. She just didn't really care about what other people, like, how they were laughing at her, how they looked at her. Because she was so humble in the way that she did things that she was just like, I'm worshiping the Lord. Yes. I'm laughing at life and I'm having a great time. Yeah. So. It's like that. It's like, I don't care because I care. Exactly. Like. I love the Lord and I care about him and I want to do good. And I, so I just don't care what you all think. And I don't care how I'm seen. I don't care what I'm doing because I know that what I'm doing is worshiping the Lord and loving the Lord with my all. You know what I mean? Yes. And whenever I think about her, she just like, it just, that idea just brings me back to that, to this ridiculousness. Yeah. And like, there's, we talked about how it's really easy to go wrong and it's really easy to become a fool in that aspect. And I know that this past year, people tried to make that a thing and it just did not pan out the way that they wanted it what do you to mean? at Life Teen at Camp. Oh, yeah. yes. And it's really easy to become a fool, but understanding the purpose behind what you're doing is not to be a child. It's to love the Lord with your all and to lower yourself and to humble yourself. Yeah. And to give some context um, to what Matthew was referencing, again, these people had great intentions, but what a lot of people misinterpreted this practice was, and the practice was we were supposed to be more childlike. We were supposed to approach the Lord with a childlike faith. But what it was misinterpreted as a lot of times was, oh, we're supposed to be childish, which is very different from being childlike. Again, that childlike approach is the one we we have been describing of wonder, of, of newness, of dependency and joy and innocence. Yeah, Again, it, it's, it, it comes down to what can I do to live in humility to be able to recognize that I simultaneously don't matter and yet I matter oh, very much. Yeah. Very much. We are simultaneously the beloved and also like worthless. <laughs> 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 like, at the same time. Um, but like think again, just like a few examples to help people out. JP2. That guy had a great sense of humor. I didn't know him personally. <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's the quote, which, he, which he's often quoted having said, which is uh, when someone approached him and said, it's unbecoming of a cardinal to ski. Yeah. And he said, no, it's unbecoming of a cardinal to ski poorly. 
Yeah. You know, it, it's that wittiness, uh, that ability to realize I could take myself super seriously. I could be super serial. Yeah. I could I could, I could read theology books all day. Yeah. But like the Lord has given me a life and I'm going to live it with a smile on my face. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like if the Lord doesn't want you to do something, he's going to make it very apparent. Okay? Like <laughs> you're going to break your leg skiing. <laughs> <laughs> if the Lord does not want you skiing, he's going to make sure you don't ski. Like he's No. But <laughs> Future Pally, am I right? Yeah, we don't matter. <laughs> we don't matter. And Do you have any final thoughts, Matthew? Just like, I think it's really ironic. I think it's really ironic how this episode went. <laughs> I'll have different last words, but I think it's really ironic how the whole thing that we were talking about is having lightheartedness yeah. in your work and understanding that the rest of the world doesn't rest on your shoulders. And God said, ah Bullshit. <laughs> and just like let us sit here for an hour and a half and just vomit <laughs> just yep, yep. um we seem to be un- incapable of having an actual lighthearted discussion about being light-hearted, lighthearted in our discussions maybe we're maybe we think too highly of ourselves in this podcast I think we really do i think we do i think we do i think that we think we are the end-all be-all we get too of- preachy we really do. And like, I mean, I think it's I think it's hard to talk about certain things without <sighs> because like a lot of this stuff is like not metaphysical, but it's very like abstract. Yes. And it's very just like concepts that we talk about. And so we need to get more personal. How do we take concepts and make them personal? Because I feel like a lot of it a lot of that would just turn into like story time. And like that's okay. Well, I think that's what I Okay, so Again, you, you kind of said, you know, we think too highly of ourselves. Neither of us have a theology degree. Yeah. Neither of us have a philosophy degree. Neither of us have any sort of degree that others should be awed or amazed at. No, yeah. And so no one comes here to learn from us. They listen because they want to hear our perspective or our experience. And instead, what we've been sharing is what we think we've studied what we pretend to have studied, what we think we know rather than what we've experienced and what we think about matters we've gone through. Yeah. And that's, that's again, that's the problem. Yeah. You know, is we get, we shouldn't be explaining concepts. Yeah. We should be precisely telling stories in order to elaborate on those concepts. Yeah. I think like if, if we want to talk about eudaimonia, we need to take a story in which we experience eudaimonia, eudaimonia. There I go again. Eutropelia, they're so easily interchanged. Yeah, they're very, yeah. But, you know, we take our experiences of these concepts, and that's how we portray it, is our story. Yeah. I mean, that's what podcasting is. It's a story. It's not a classroom. Yeah. It's story time. People yeah. are, let's be honest, people are here to listen to story time, if they're here to listen to us at all. Yeah. What's like, what's our most popular, what's one of our most popular podcasts? So, from... What do you mean by most popular? Most listened to or most feedback? Because the one I got the most feedback on was, (laughs) interestingly enough, is the one called The Snowball Effect. And I did it as a solo podcast back when Alexander and I were doing the podcast. Uh And it was a talk that I had written to give at my high school. And it was a personal experience. It, It was kind of me painting a picture of the snowball effect of sin. Yeah. And it was me talking about how that, how that felt to me. Um, if you want to go back and listen to it, it's really great, mm. but it, you know, I'm, it's really great, but you know, <laughs> Interesting. What, what was different about it is I realized that I had to do this podcast alone. There was no one to have a discussion with. And one of the reasons I wanted another person on the podcast was when I, when I, wanted to do a podcast is because I realized no one wants to listen to me rant about topics to myself. Yeah. But what made this one different is I made it to give to an audience. I made it to give it at my high school mm-hmm. and it was a story. It was very personal. First of all, because I talked about how I had struggled with sin. I didn't describe specifically what that was. That'd be yeah. imprudent. But I talked, I described the struggle. I described it to them. And, you know, I talked about how, you know, I thought I could, get out of sin without confession because I thought myself unworthy of confession. Basically, I'm going to do the whole synopsis here. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, over time, that snowball of sin and temptation and demons got heavier and heavier and heavier until I was flat on the ground and I looked over and I saw Christ on the ground with a cross on his back, having fallen. And he was reaching out to me and he said, let me take your sins. And it was about the, this, the voice I heard in my head telling me that I was unworthy, that I shouldn't reach out to Christ because I had to make myself good enough for him. And then I eventually decided to ignore those voices and reach out. And that's basically what it was about. Mm. This idea that, you know, we're not good enough and we have to make ourselves good enough. But Christ wants... And so it was a story, but it wasn't necessarily... It was more of a... It was a personal story told, kind of like you were talking about with comedians. I don't know if they've actually gone through it. I didn't actually have like a snowball of demons on my back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I did at the same time, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. I guess like... I guess we just have to like... Go back to like, why are we podcasting? Yes. Like again, this is this is that mission statement that I want to do with the the whole. What is what are, who are we? What is our identity on this podcast? Yeah. And why why are we you know why are we doing this? Who are we that people want to listen to us? What is our perspective? What is the unique thing that we provide? The unique perspective that we give. Yeah. And with those, we can define a mission. When you know why you're doing something, it's so much easier to do it. Yeah. A lot easier to do it. Yeah. Um, and instead of having discussions to microphones and to an audience, we need to have a discussion with each other like we're having right now. Yeah, because I noticed that like when we are podcasting, we have very different – our conversational body language when we podcast is very different from when we're just talking. I don't know if you've noticed that, but I feel like when we have these in front of us, it's very obvious to us, these microphones we have yeah. in front of us, it's very obvious, just for context, mm-hmm. exactly, that, that kind of idea. When, we, under, when we, we know, whether we try to ignore it or not, we know in our mind that people are listening in. For some reason, whether that's one or two, we know that this conversation is not just between us at that point. Well, I, I don't think it's so much that that's influencing our conversation. I think, well, I guess, yes, it is that. But it's instead of us trying to, instead of us failing to have a conversation, we're not even trying to. We're trying to preach. And that's, that's where we mess up. That's why we get preachy is because we're trying to send a message instead of just having a discussion. And oftentimes our discussion has a lot of fruit. And in fact, what made me want to do a podcast was just having discussions with people. And what made people want to listen to my podcast from the people I've talked to is from me having conversations with them. Yeah. They don't want to listen to my lessons. They don't want to listen to my preachiness. They want to have a con- They want to feel like they're part of this conversation. They want to hear the conversations that we're having. Mm-hmm. And it's good that we're realizing this. Very meta thing that we're doing right now. <laughs> Podcast about podcasting. Podcasting about ourselves podcasting. Whoa. We're just so freaking prideful. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the best way that I could put it. No, like, you're not wrong. But like understanding that people could probably hear two guys talking about the same things we're talking about with maybe similar experiences. Not saying that we are not unique and that our opinions aren't ours, but like the job could be done by other people. And that's the, that's my point with, we have to figure out what unique perspective we have. Yeah. Not that no one else in the world has that, but maybe no one else is podcasting about it. Yeah. You know, and we have to figure out, okay, what perspective, like when I have a conversation with someone, then they enjoy that conversation. Why is it that they enjoy that conversation? What is, what am I saying? What perspective do I have that makes them be like, ah, I enjoy listening to Thomas talk. Cause it's, you know, it, it's not that, it's not that like, it's the topics that I talk about that they like mm-hmm. or that you like. And this, again, not prideful, but like, I think it's us. Yeah. You know, it, it's our okay. charisma, our ability to, like our personality our personality but like more than that like what is it or maybe like what experience what perspective is it because like I know for instance one person talks to me and they like the fact that I'm very balanced or at least attempt to be 
very balanced when it comes to like traditionalist versus cent- or charismatic. Yeah. And, you know, they like that I don't see them as opposed, but things that overlap and should work together. Mm-hmm. You know, when I talk to another person, you know, who's, who's black, they like to, they like the fact that I, I'm white. They like my perspective on, on, you know, enculturation, diversity. Like I grew up in a nice neighborhood and yet I also played football in a not so nice neighborhood. And so like I experienced it. I didn't grow up in it, but I experienced it at a young age. And so they like my ability to have like input and realize that I did grow up in a nice neighborhood and maybe they didn't. And so like that little input, that fair but balanced like kind of idea, but like, what is it, you know? And those are just some things, but like, where do those come from? And we need to like narrow that down. Yeah. We need to have a mission session, a mission statement session. I mean, like, I think that earlier before this hot mess that's going on outside. <laughs> the coronavirus? Yes. Yeah. We were talking about... <laughs> we were talking about doing, like... And this has kind of, like, now become, like, an extra thing that you have to purchase with, like, Patreon or whatever. But, um, like, when we went to Bagel Bakery... Yeah. And just, like, sat down and talked, the idea of just, like, putting a phone in the middle of the table... And recording yeah. our conversation. In the back of my head, I was like, dude, heck yeah. Because yeah. that's probably some of the, like, first of all, those ideas aren't ours. There's somebody else's that we were just talking about. And those, for us, are some of the most, like, can be some of the most personal, are like conversations. Some of the better conversations that we have. Yeah are us at least for me because i'm an external processor yeah like speaking out loud these thoughts and ideas so we better understand them and we like bounce them off each other uh to get our, a better grasp at them from people in the who've written these books who understand the faith better than us something else that's interesting is we get commented on just like by our friends in passing who like perchance listen on our podcast voices yeah like why and i guess this is a whole science behind like podcasting but like why do we not sound like we're having a conversation like why do we not sound like our normal selves you know what i mean and this is not a dig at other people no, it's no, like no. but I like don't know you see how what much i'm saying there is to that though because i also apparently have a grand knight voice a lecturing voice a boyfriend <laughs> voice a, a boyfriend regular voice. thomas voice a like but like why 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 is it that when we were having a conversation in front of microphones that we don't sound like we're just com- conversing with each other? It's a good question. I think it's because, again, like I said, we haven't been conversing with each other. Yeah. We come in with this this mindset of, all right, we have, a, we have to preach a message. How are we going to pretend to converse about that? Yeah. In order to preach our... Like, our goal has been preach a message, not have a conversation. When I was in high school... I had I was sponsoring somebody, mm. one of the many. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was sponsoring this one person, and she was asking me, or no, she always used to ask me questions, and I was, and you know, I didn't always know the answer, but that's, and so I would get get help, and I'd say, hey, maybe you should go talk to a priest because they're definitely more educated than I am. Yeah, about these questions and. You are asking questions that I just, I just don't know. We're the same age, and you're think you know it's like yeah. I'm not anywhere as more mature in thought process as you. Maybe I, I understand the basics a little bit more, but like you're asking some pretty in depth metaphysical questions that I just don't know the answers to. Yeah. But when I would try to explain things, I guess one of the things that she brought up to me was that. I talk about it in a way that is very preachy and very like shoving Hmm. of the idea. Because at this point for her, she was still like accepting things and like coming to terms with what they were. Yeah. And so the way that I 
explained them, I guess for her, in her mind, it was very much like, oh, I'm supposed to already believe this, but I don't, I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I don't know if this pertains to the situation that we're talking about, but like for me, it, it kind of rings the same bell that like when I get in, I can get in a mode <laughs> where like to answer a question or to talk about something, I can get very like shoving of the idea and not necessarily like peacefully lay it down and more like shove it down somebody's throat. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's that's where speaking of personal experience comes in handy. Yeah. Because you can't really shove personal experience down someone's throat. Yeah. You have to lay it out. You have to tell about a personal experience. I mean, I guess you could possibly. There's pro- probably a way. Yeah. But but and we've talked about how like, y- like in this day and age, people don't learn from teachers. They learn from witnesses. Yes. And if they do learn from a teacher, it's because they're a witness. Yes. So... I guess what I'm trying to say is I have a history of getting preachy. <laughs> um, and like personal experience, my, like my dad does that a lot and I'm not flacking him and he knows that he does it. And I know that I get it from him mm-hmm. just because that's how I was raised. Yeah. You know, the car ride home from school or the car ride to anywhere was like, it started out with a question. I'd answer it. And the rest of it was like him lecturing. Yeah. Or him being preachy and me just kind of sitting there. And he's like, at the end of it, he'd be like, I know I'm preaching, but you know, yeah. whatever. And so like, that's just, I guess that's how my brain or that's just kind of like how I've grown up. is just like being preached at. And so personally, I just have a history of being preachy and it's hard for me to just like not do that. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> but... <laughs> And that works great when combined with my struggle with pride. Oh, yes. This is just a great mixture uh, here. Two prideful people Woo! <laughs> telling other people how to live their lives. It's great. It's oh, great. that is the best. <laughs> so from now on, the podcast will be us trying not to be prideful. The prideful boys. is what. <laughs> oh, good. Good, good, good. Pride rock. Pride rock. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I mean, I don't love it. <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> oh, boy. That was a real come to Jesus moment. That was great. And it was a good conversation. And that's what, that's what, that's why we're podcasting. What the frick? Is to have good conversations. <sighs> Gosh. It also sucks. And I realize I do this. Whenever we have a great conversation, in, in my head, I'm like, we should be saving this for the podcast. It's like, can't we just have a good conversation? <laughs> and can't the podcast just be a good conversation? Yeah. One of my favorite podcasts, and I talked about them before, is Three Dogs North. Yeah. And the reason I love their podcast is because, well, just for starters, they don't live, they went to seminary together. That's how they knew each other. Yeah. They graduated and were ordained the same time, but they all work in different places. They all went to Mundelein, and then afterwards... They dispersed. Mundelein Seminary is in Wisconsin, I believe, up north somewhere. A lot of pe- a lot of famous people, a lot of famous priests, have gone there. Bishop Barron went there. It's a pretty popular seminary. Dang. If you're looking for that information, <laughs> um, <laughs> or if you're looking for a seminary, to go if you're to. looking for just a casual seminary visit, it's up north somewhere in one of those states. All of our discerners, all those discerners, check it out. It's a dope one. Anyway, so. They have a podcast and they basically are just like catching up with each other and like, they're like, so how is your priestly lives going? And they all went to high school together and they did college together too. I don't know if they went to high school, but they all have known each other for a long time. So they all like make jokes about their childhood and they talk about, um, like how their own lives as priests are going because they're all newly ordained. Yeah. This is their, like, first or second year as priests. And they're just talking about their lives. And, like, what they have personally discovered spiritually in that last week as they've read a book, mm-hmm. uh, done a retreat, just said masses. What they've learned spiritually in mass. Like, how they've each individually grown. And then they, like, not comment on each other, but they're like, dog, yeah, that's so true. Because, like, 
in my own life, I've seen this, this, and this, and that. And they just, like, bounce off each other. Mm-hmm. And they're just so chill. And I think that's why I love that podcast, because they're just, they're just talking about, they're talking about their own lives with each other. And, like, it's just good. It's just good conversation. So we need to chill. We just, maybe we should just, like, get high before. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> Oh my gosh. What's his name? The guy who Test dog? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Elon Musk? Yeah, he got high on a podcast. We need to follow in his step footsteps. His step foots? His step foots. Interesting. You know. So basically, we're rebranding the podcast at some point in the future. Um, yeah, because we realized we just need to. We gotta. We gotta change it up. It's gotta happen. Our mission's changed. We don't want to be preachy anymore. We don't want to be preachy. We don't want to be prideful. Yeah, because that sucks. Pride is dumb. We're gonna go. We're going to hell if we're prideful. Yeah. Quite frankly. Just putting it out there. And Case. so, eventually, there'll be a new logo, possibly, most likely, a new name. And you'll still have all the old episodes, but everything from there on forward will be different brand. Anyway, final words. Just. That's it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. For me, we suck, go God, and we don't suck because of God. We are beloved and worthless. <laughs> at, the at the same, same time. time. Oh, I love it. I love the virtue of ridiculousness. Anyways, in order to stifle our pride... I'm not going to plug anything. Go listen to our old episodes. Just kidding. If you have any argument, questions, comments, arguments, arguments, email us at thecrossguardians at gmail.com. Okay. You can find Thomas on Twitter at LayPride. And if you're really interested in some dope merch or you want to hear some extra episodes, you can go to our Patreon. And there's different ways to help us out. But, you know, we're worthless. So <laughs> we get it if you don't want to. Dang. We've got an email. <laughs> Send help. (laughs) (laughs) Harpin broke so many times off. Don't know where to believe. Anyway, (laughs) we love you and we're praying for you all. God bless. I mean, it was like... Oh, humble pie! Like, it was so good, but it was so rough. I know. Like, it was good because it was rough. We needed to have that. That was necessary.